All right, beautiful humans. Welcome back to another episode of Naked Sunday. I'm your host, Caleb Nelson, and I have the distinct pleasure of welcoming on Paula Carsu. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me today. I'm glad we got the name set up beforehand. I was telling you myself, <laughs> like I'm, I struggle with names. I'm re- like worse yet. I actually really struggle to remember names. And that's something that like recently I even like, mm. I'm lo- downloading these programs to like get better at it because what I've come to learn in this world is the most important sound in the universe is the sound of your own name. So I like to remember those types of things. So mm. anywho, um, I always like to start off the shows and tell people, tell my guests like why I appreciate them. Um, because I think it, we in this world, we don't like share enough of like the good of, of what we see in others. So I wanted to take a moment, like last, you and I first met, I believe it was a couple years ago, two, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe, maybe three, possibly yeah. when I, when I had the gym and you were going through some transitions and whatnot. And then you, we talked maybe two weeks ago now, and you were just telling me about how you'd gone off and you'd, you'd started your own practice and that's going really well. And to me, something that I really admire in this world is people who, you know, take that full ownership of their life. And especially like if they're really passionate about something, they start their own business. I have a real soft spot for people who are on their own business, obviously, um, especially in this day and age, the small business owner, like I love you, mm-hmm. sending out positive vibes. So, you know, obviously, and especially with what you do, I think it's so valuable. And I really, you know, I really admire somebody who bets on themselves. So that's something I appreciate about you. Thank you. I appreciate that the least I can do. Um, then we lead into my, my first favorite question, because you know yourself better than anybody. Who are you? Who's Paula? Hmm. So do you want to know professionally, personally, both? However you want to answer that. That's the fun part about that question. <laughs> all of it, all sure. of the above. Um, yeah. So, so I'll answer in all friends. Um, so personally, I am naturally pretty much an introvert. I know that about myself, I'm definitely a homebody. Um, so I love, love my friends, love going out and seeing them, but I also really recharge by just spending time by myself at home with my partner, with my dog. Um, and I'm really big on just curating like my personal space. So home decor and like cleaning and things like that, just for so many reasons, recharges me. And I know that's super weird. Like I love cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> It's just something about it, like cleaning everything up, having having everything ready to go and being able to like relax um, really helps me. Um, and, you know, over the years, I've gotten really, really passionate about weightlifting and taking care of my health more. Um, so having something like that to turn to also has been so helpful, especially during the pandemic, being able to work out at home and, you know, it's, it's certainly not the same thing like a CrossFit workout where you have a lot more space and you can do a lot more uh, like jumping exercises, but having that at home has been a savior in my routine and, and really just keeping me balanced at the end of the day and having that additional outlet for, you know, the added stress that is living through this pandemic. <laughs> Wild times. It really is. You and my wife would get along very well. She's quite quite neurotic about the cleaning now not to say I don't appreciate mm-hmm. it like all intents and purpose I come home and I, I feel like I'm like wow I'm, I'm really grateful for how well like how <laughs> how nice it is here I know I drive her insane I her threshold's mm-hmm. far different than mine but I mean there is a sense of peace when you clean house and right it's yeah. kind of like it 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 sets the it's like setting the table right like it now mm-hmm. it's setting the stage for an experience that you know wherever you want it to go and I I think you're right that there's that some sense of decluttering. So that's the things you like. And I also really like the solitude. I think not a lot of people like being alone with themselves. And that's not so much like loner mentality. It's more like enjoying them. You see that a lot? Cause it's kind of leads into your, like some of the next bit of questions. I yeah. Want yeah, definitely. Um, so for, for me personally, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm sitting and meditating when I'm not doing things. Um, but having, having that time alone for me over the years has really helped me even just kind of reflect on, on the direction of where my life's going, the relationships that I have, what that actually means. And, and you know, some of that obviously is taken up with like binging Netflix and, and, you know, other, uh, more mindless things that, that I can do to relax. Mm. But, um, 
I, I really find that a lot of people do struggle with the lack of distractions that we have right now. And, and yes, we can pour into different things and we can find distractions in, in what we're living with right now, but it's a lot harder. It's a lot harder when we don't have people around us all the time or we're not as easily able to even just go out to a restaurant and you have to be a lot more intentional with cooking at home and what that actually means. Uh, so it's, it's been a struggle for a lot of people to learn how do I get comfortable with myself? And then how do I navigate all the things that are coming up because I'm spending a lot more time in solitude because I don't have the distractions as easily available to me. I think you bring up something really, really powerful. I have been calling it the great fast and I've done a few seven day water fasts and some other things. And I've done long extended, Mm -hmm. like wild meditation practices you learn really something about yourself in that stillness. You really do. And it sounds like through your process of finding a way, and you know, not everybody needs to do, you know, crazy, whatever, you know, or whatever the meaning of crazy would be in that sense. Like extreme is kind of a relative term, right? And kind of subject subjective, but you have this process about, and this is kind of like, I'm just trying to echo what I'm kind of hearing is like, you have this process of being able to f- like check back in with you and what matters mm-hmm. if I'm hearing that correctly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so then it kind of leads into a question like I know, so with your practice, right? So if you can tell us a little bit about your practice, I'd love to hear kind of like a common theme, like what you know people are struggling, but how are you working through that with people? And so mm-hmm. kind of like, again, what you do, but then also what you tell them or what you support them through. Yeah. Um, so for me, a really, really big practice that I'll go through with a lot of clients is how do we start to lean into our discomfort a little bit more? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't have to mean fully accepting that it's there or trying to change it. How do we, how do we name it and acknowledge it when it's surfacing? And for so many people, you know, we're able to say we're angry, sad, happy, um, and, and go about emotions that way. But when we take a look at physically what's happening when we're having emotions and the larger breakdown behind them. So like, what is anger made up of? What is, what is the, the core emotion that's coming up at that point? Going through those exercises with a lot of people really helps them understand, you know, actually I'm feeling disappointed, but I, I name it as anger and anger feels more comfortable to express and feel, but I'm really disappointed on how this played out or something that was said. And a really encouraging clients, how do we lean into that uncomfortable feeling that we want to run from a lot of the time? And then how do we also lean into the good parts and see the good parts that we have? Because so many people are, are either on extreme and there's a lot of avoidance in that gray area because it's so uncomfortable. Wow. The, the interesting part you're talking about there is the nuance of emotion. Is that something you see often? So you said... Um, if I make sure I heard it correctly, anger seems to be the easiest emotion to just say that they're feeling, but the mm-hmm. nuance underneath that is kind of because they're blurring it all together, that lack of clarity kind of, um, uh, they, they don't know how to address it. So that maybe looks like bringing mm-hmm. more, more confusion, which kind of then doubles back around like more anger. It kind of like keeps fueling it. Yeah. And, and um, usually the things that we're finding ourselves disappointed in or, or whatever the emotion is that's, that's tied around it. Um, it's a very familiar emotion. And, and so many of us have learned to either suppress that emotion, avoid it in some way, um, really just ignore that it's there. And it usually is tied to a lot of different experiences that cause that same feeling to come up. Mm. Um, and it looks so different for everyone. You know, it could even be me following um, an urge to do something positive hasn't been reinforced throughout my life. So when I feel pulled to something that isn't traditional or isn't something people might expect of me, I avoid it because this other area has been highlighted as the right path to take or the right thing to do. Um, So it really depends on the person, but trying to ultimately at the end of the day, help people be their authentic self and that's really scary in different ways, either it's in relationships and your jobs, um, even in just communicating your boundaries to someone and being very clear cut and solid in that is so difficult because boundaries are not something we talk about a lot of the time. And it's something that 
some people feel like, you know, I shouldn't have boundaries or my boundaries are so flexible that I'm miserable, but everyone else around me is happy and that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of looking at how do we find your true self in all of this and how do we help that translate out to the people around you, your relationships, and just helping you feel more fulfilled in your day to day. It's pretty powerful. I've never heard anybody describe dissecting the nuance of that one emotion that way. I think innately somebody who's kind of spent more time maybe in the, you know, exploring mental health understands that, but that Mm -hmm. was a, that was a pretty unique way of, of hearing that broken down that actually, that was pretty cool. Um, Just so people understand what is it that you do professionally, right? Like, so you've kind of talked a little bit about what you do, but like, tell, tell us about your practice and, and, and what you do there and what, I guess, really what you specialize in. Cause I know you brought up authentic self. I think that's a, it's a difficult term to describe, right? It's at, at times for people. Yeah. As, so yeah, I'd love to hear more about that. Absolutely. Um, so I'm a licensed mental health counselor. Um, so what that means is I work with a lot of clients on um, assessing what's going on with them and really developing essentially a treatment plan of the goals which they want to work on through coming to therapy. So a big portion of the first time I meet the client is talking about what's been going on, what symptoms are you noticing? Um, and to be clear, as a licensed mental health counselor, I can't formally diagnose a client, mm. but I can form an assessment based off of actual assessments and talking with them. And for me, I'm really big on being very clear cut of what I'm seeing, going through diagnostic criteria with clients directly, and being very transparent around something that you know will be a part of our work together. And um, depending on the case, supporting clients to start medications, continue medications, and really coordinating with providers on on that side of things too. Um, And then specifically for the clients that I work with, I focus a lot on managing anxiety, depression, working through relationship issues, uh, life transitions in general. A lot of people are going through a lot of transitions right now in all different facets. um, So working through that and um, coping skills and then trauma work. Uh, so for me, I'm also a certified um, trauma professional. And what that really means is um, I help clients build their somatic-based coping skills, which means like body-based coping skills, keeping clients present in their body day-to-day, managing the, the triggers of past trauma experiences, and then working through really increasing their sense of safety through that. Um, to be clear with that as well, I am very gentle in the way in which we will talk about those traumatic experiences. So many people want to dive right into detail sometimes and, and being very, very specific. But if we don't have that solid base of coping skills around that, that can be very re-traumatizing for someone to go through. So we'll take a while to get through through the specifics of whatever trauma they've had through their life. And then taking a look at, you know, how do we, how do we really improve the day-to-day for you? And how do we reduce some of the residual symptoms that are continuing to come up? As you said that, I, to kind of describe what I hear, because I always start putting it into like pictures. I, and I relate a lot with like when I've done more fitness things and whatnot in the past. It's like you're building a baseline structure. Like if you're building a pyramid or a house, right? Like you're kind of setting up this framework, putting the bones together so that the nuanced discussion that might be a little more pointed, they're capable of like absorbing the weight of that productively. And so the whole thing doesn't come crashing down, correct? Yeah, yeah. And um, really a, a big purpose of that too is to target the things that clients want to work on, not the things that I think they should work on as, as their therapist. Um, so being very collaborative in that. Some clients will be certain things where they're like, yeah, I don't want to talk about this. And that's perfectly fine. We don't have to talk about that period of your life or that specific thing. Mm. Um, but if it's something they identify as affecting them today, then we'll slowly go into that and we'll work on that. It's a lot of meeting them where they're at, it sounds like. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's uh, it sounds just like a coaching relationship. Um, if I may, it sounds very similar. They're like, Hey, here's the, here's your goals. Let's nurture you towards that. Like, what can you handle right now? And then a mm-hmm. more or less, uh, I'm going to use the word dosing, but obviously, you know, you were, you were talking about coordinating with people that 
do more of the medications and things like that. Not so much. That's not necessarily your, um, obviously you understand your scope pretty well. Mm. Um, well you should obviously right? <laughs> like professionally you have to, right. <laughs> Um, well, what I'm interested about is what took you down this path? Like, this is not certainly some of the subject matter that can come up in a conversation, especially, you know, talk about trauma, you're talking about life transitions, you're talking about, you know, stress and things of that nature. It's not necessarily for the faint of heart. You're going to, you're going to be, some people might lay some heavy stuff on you. Uh, I always find there's a pretty deep calling to that. What, what drew you to this? this this field and like specifically to where you are now uh so so for me i've always been really interested in kind of figuring out why we are the way that we are and how do we get to today and that doesn't necessarily have to mean you know negative things have happened and talking about really uncomfortable things it's also talking about the good things that have happened Mm -hmm. and really being able to understand how each person is so different from the next and also what kind of draws us together at the same time and, and shared experiences in that. Um, so for me, going through going through grad school and everything, I had used to work in uh, solely substance use and did that for about five years. And really being able to see people piecing their life back together and doing that battle day in and day out and the vast effects of socioeconomic factors, family factors, um, environmental, emotional, really being able to see someone from all sides through that um, drew me into being a little bit more specific in the work that I do. And at the same time, drove me to being able to expand my resources outside of that and being able to to have um, a little bit more of a variety and in client base and being able to, to reach those people through this. That's really fantastic. Um, what, so, you know, in this past year, I think you said mm-hmm. you made, you made the transition to private practice. Tell mm-hmm. me a little about what's that like for a lot of people. You know, I've owned a business for a long time right now and, uh, mm-hmm. I know it's scary. I know it's a lot of, like, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a pretty big leap of faith. What inspired that? Tell me, yeah, like take me through that journey. Yeah. Um, so for me personally, you know, going back to the authenticity piece, for a little while, I was I was really feeling honestly burnt out and needing needing cha- a change of pace, needing a change of scenery, and really just looking to build uh, a work life balance for myself that fit with what I needed. Um, and so many of the times, being being in a larger agency is a really great starting point, and, and it really helps you build a solid foundation. It gets you comfortable with with the way things work. Um, but sometimes for, for me personally, that life was exhausting, you know, pushing myself, working 60 hours a week, feeling like I'm taking that work home with me. Uh, I was personally on call, so I was always, you know, tied to, to my phone and things like that. Um, it just, it took such a toll. And in order for me to do the work that I wanna do and be there for clients in the way that I wanna be, I knew I had to make a change. And in the shift to private practice, I was able to do just that. You know, I, I have the freedom to make my schedule to really work with the clients that I can best serve. And at the end of the day, that's, you know, that's why a lot of us go into this work is to be able to pass on our skills, pass on our knowledge to the people that can benefit most from it. And, you know, throughout this last year, I'm not afraid to say that I can't meet everyone's needs mm-hmm. and that's Okay. I can help them find the person that can. And in the end, it works out better that way that, you know, um, I don't know if you've heard, but for, for a lot of people, finding a therapist is like dating. It, it's going through that awkward, get to know each other stage. And then for some along the lines, they figure out, you know, this person's not a good fit for me anymore, or they were at one point and now they're not. And that's okay. It's, it's so important to be able to even build that type of relationship and own that. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of fear too. There, I mean, as a man myself, I think, thankfully, I think this stigma that's, that's been associated mm-hmm. with like weakness or I'm pretty open about it because I think like that needs to change. It's like, mm-hmm. I think about it as like, if I wanted to get better at whatever lifting weights and I didn't know 
anything. Like I hit a block, like, what would I do? I'd go hire a coach. Like, this is the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like we all have blocks and I agree with the, the dating analogy. I think that's actually really, really important, right? Like at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. um, I've seen it in my coaching career with, you know, and I've gone through some transitions, which I want to ask some questions about that afterwards, but you eventually realize the people that get the best results, you just, you just line up, like you just jive, Mm -hmm. right? Like eventually you go through dating and then eventually you're like, man, I found this person who like all the things match up. It's not a square peg in a round hole, no matter how close it was. This is the right alignment. You know, maybe it's the similar mindset. Maybe it's just a similar value structure, whatever it is um, through my own experiences, you know, and I took, I think that something that's important that people don't lose along the way when they are in that quote unquote dating their therapist's process. And it's not dating, right? Like we're talking about like you're seeing, you're experiencing, you're understanding the different, um, the different approaches, right? And I guess anything, you know, people can consider a lot of things therapy, right? But I know for me, it was like, oh, this person uses this type of discipline as a, as a means to find whatever this person uses this approach, this person, you know, and, you know, I've had life coaching or counseling, I've had meditation groups and that kind of stuff. I think that's super, super powerful. And if people can open themselves up to, this is something I'm learning, at least from my perspective, when I went through that, mm-hmm. that really helped me not feel too locked into something and felt like every experience that I engaged in was valuable, not so much like the end all be all, like this was just the, the magic pill of like today, this person's going to solve my problems. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to transitions, people that are, you, you said you were feeling burnt out. Is that, what's like some of the typical signs and symptoms for somebody that is ready for a life transition? And that's like, I know it's a pretty vague term. Yeah. What you see it in volume. So, or probably in volume more than I do probably. Um, I'm, I'm, in, I'm curious to see what, mm-hmm. so people can, cause I think so many people just don't even know that they're about mm-hmm. to, or they're going there. Like, so what would that mm-hmm. look like? You know, it's not like, Hey, I have a cough. I might go, I need to go, go to the doctor for, to get checked if I have the flu, right? Like it's, that's different yeah. like for this. It's, that's such a, yeah, sorry. I'm just cutting you off. I want to, I want to hear, I want to listen. Um, so a lot of the, the typical signs of burnout are, um, some of them are more obvious than others, but I would say things like finding yourself dreading to go to work, finding yourself even wanting to maybe like snooze the alarm a little bit longer, um, a little bit more irritable at work. So you're not able to navigate certain stressors that are coming up. You're finding yourself very short fused with it. Um, and even, even other things like um, becoming short, let's say with like family members at the end of your work day or feeling completely drained, no energy to really take care of yourself. And then kind of going into even struggling to take care of yourself. So you're finding yourself pushing yourself to work more, not taking care of yourself outside of work, and uh, struggling to really make sense of that and can also come up because for so many people, even admitting they might be leaning towards burnout or have reached that point can feel like a, like a moral failure, like a personal failure, a uh, professional failure. So being able to, to really have support around you to talk about that through or even just doing your own work to be able to identify what those warning signs look like is what's really helpful in sometimes deciding I need to make a shift either in the way I'm lacking boundaries with work, taking on too much work. And if those things don't work, maybe considering to take a shift in uh, let's say cutting hours or even changing kind of the direction that you're going. So it's, it's almost like a, like a decision tree process of kind of following, following the questions that you're asking yourself and if you're seeing that you're, you're leaning more towards that burnout side of things, really thinking about, you know, are you being effective? Are yeah. you doing the work that they really set out to do? That's so interesting because I've thought about, you know, a lot of, for most of my career, like the, the end result was their health started to, you know, they put on a few pounds or they got some injuries or things like that. But I, I, I think the other pieces are not sim- not talked about as much, right? The irritability with the relationships, that's, mm-hmm. I think that's a big one. Now, do you work with a lot of like, do you work with a lot of business owners, managers, or where, where do you see like the majority of your clientele that kind of fall into that place? I mean, I, I'm obviously 
attracted to the person who like manages and like is responsible for a lot of people, which, you know, that could be a vague term too, right? Like a parent mm-hmm. is responsible for more than themselves. That, that can be a pretty big cognitive burden. What do, what do you see for, for, with a lot of those types of people? Um, so, so for me, usually what I'll see for someone that's like a business owner and even, even as a parent is that overextension of themselves and they come last in every situation that they're in, their needs usually come last. And I do a lot of work with figuring out, are there spaces in which we can cut things out? Are there ways we can structure your daily schedule differently? Um, and really, is there a way to start prioritizing you a little bit more? And in doing that, it's not looking for, you know, like an extra hour in your day. It's even five minutes. Is there a shift in the way that you start your day that we can take a look at? Is there a way where you can lean on other people for more support in your life? Uh, some people really struggle with that, with, with asking for that additional support. And in taking a look at all the, all the sides of that, over time, as it gets a little bit easier to set boundaries, to put yourself first, they start to really take a look at how this work-life balance got started for them and how this need to always do more, always push for more really came to be. And for some, it's, you know, what was modeled to them. For others, it's the fulfillment is really in that, in that work life and being uh being successful is really validating for them mm. and how do we sometimes redefine what successful even looks like oh. um so I'm, I'm really big on kind of just challenging those, those beliefs that we hold that sometimes we're just taught to us and we never question them we mm. never sorry my dog's whining <laughs> i think it's cute i think it's cute <laughs> uh, yeah my partner left so now she just cries <laughs> until he comes back we talked about um, that yeah <laughs> It's all right. Most people that are listening are dog people. So you're good. They get it. If anything, they're like, oh, I want to see the dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so so I'm really, really big on redefining a lot of things for ourselves and really just questioning, are we following a path or belief that we don't actually believe in anymore? Maybe at some point we did. But now today with who we want to become or who we are, this belief isn't serving us anymore, but we're holding on to it. And what does it mean to let go of that? What does it mean to just redefine it a little bit and make it our own? This brings around an interesting conversation. You can use, we can, we can butcher me as an example if we want, cause I'm cool with it. <laughs> the, the, the words identity crisis have been coming up a lot in my head lately. And I know I've struggled with this, right? For a long time, it was, I am an athlete. And then I was a coach and then I was a business owner and now, and I was a gym owner specifically. And then this past year, I know for myself, when I took some time back, I'm not going to hide from the fact that I really struggled to define. So I'm not all those things anymore, at least from what those definitions are that I didn't really agree with. What am I now? I I'm curious to see, is that common with a lot of people where they're attached? Because you brought up this idea of success and don't get me wrong. I like to be successful too. And it's easy when like, it can be attached to what everybody else defines as success. Mm-hmm. Because for me, it's almost like a game. Like, just tell me what it is. I'll go do it. I got, you know, the, the gold sticker mm-hmm. or the, the whatever. Um, what, what do you see there at the top? Like with that, that burnout, like, is that, is that common? This, this notion of an identity mm-hmm. crisis and is it, you know, because most people think, oh, the guy having a midlife crisis, the dude in his 40s goes by, the car and the whatever mm-hmm. kind of goes off and like that thing. Is it more common than people assume? And is it just, you know, I think, is it more common than just that like pigeonhole kind of view of what mm-hmm. we look at it as? I would, I would definitely say so because I think for, for so many people, it's a very subtle process that they might be going through internally they're not really talking about um and and when I say that you know I think of people that stay in relationships that they're unhappy in and they stay in it for so many different reasons it could be out of fear it could be uh the fear of of starting over the fear of being alone um it could even be you know the length of that relationship they've invested time they've invested effort 
And to feel at a point that it's no longer the best thing for them is really scary. You think about what's going to come after that. So being able to really encourage anyone to take that time to self-reflect on all areas of their life, all the values that they hold, and asking themselves a very honest question of, am I living my life in accordance with these values? Or am I going towards a different path that feels a little bit easier, looks better on paper, feels like the traditional thing to do, the expectation that society has of me. And if they're finding themselves in that direction, are they okay with that? Does that feel authentic to them? Because the, the, the biggest piece around a lot of the work I'm doing is what does your authentic self look like? And are there ways in which we need to make adjustments? Do you live your life that way? What do you think is at the core of somebody struggling to define that? I think a lot of it really comes from the tendency to want to avoid the uncertainty that comes with starting to define that and starting to question. There's, there's so much gray on the other side of those questions a lot of the time. Hmm. And we don't like the gray. We don't like to sit in that uncomfortability. You know, we want, we want the black and white answers. We want the one, two, three steps. How do I get there? Um, and when we get more comfortable with just sitting with our own uncertainty and sitting with the um, lack of answers sometimes and the lack of solutions, that's when we start to really find our own answers to some of these questions. And, you know, in, in a lot of my work, sometimes I'll have to remind clients here and there, um, you know, I can't really answer that for you. But, you know, how can we lean into that more? Are there ways in which outside of our sessions, we can reflect on that more? And encouraging clients to really start to build on some of the skills that we're using in our therapy sessions, to use them on their own outside of it. Um, because ultimately, you know, they're, they're with themselves day in and day out. And if I can take what we're working on in our session and they can carry it with them through their day, that's the goal. That's, that's a client that is really going to thrive at the end of the day, is, is being able to carry everything we do and take it on their own. And maybe someday they find themselves, you know, wanting to pull away from therapy. And that's great. It, it's always such a good feeling when, when clients can get to that point where they feel so confident in handling daily things for themselves or just their stressors. And they, they feel like they have everything that they need really within them. And it's, it's not looking for someone else to have them for it. I love that. And I love your approach there because I think a lot of people look at it as a lifelong marriage, as opposed mm-hmm. to it being, this is a resource and a tool who's going to mm-hmm. help guide me through this place in my life. I've always said, like, I want to put myself out of a job because of very, exactly what you're saying right there. You know, it sounds like your goal is like, if something happened to you and you couldn't be there anymore, you want them to still be able to find success and love mm-hmm. and happiness and still live a life of fulfillment. Do you see, I've seen it in the, and let me backtrack. I'll take full accountability first for a long time. And I wasn't even aware of it. <clears throat> I set myself up where I, people were dependent and I had to change that because I didn't realize mm-hmm. I was doing it. And I think, I had found, this is my own, again, my own self-assessment of what I've done. I took myself, I, I made myself this dependent source, right? You got to come to me, got to come do the gym, got to come do this thing with me because this, the, 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 and this is the way and the only way. When reality, that was like, this is the way that happened to work for me. And mm-hmm. I want to share that because I want you to also feel as good as I do when you do the things that I've done. Mm-hmm. But then I eventually realized like, that's not everybody. So I, when I changed that, I realized like that was the pigeonhole that I was getting people to. I was like, Ooh, Caleb, this is not, this is not okay. And I reflect on, I saw a Facebook post and I have a mixed emotions about social media in general uh, by and large, but like I saw this Facebook post probably eight years ago where I saw this guy post about a client. I don't remember their name. I barely even remember the post. I just remember like the, the end, the sentiment was like, this person is still sending me PRs years after we work together. 
that was success. I, and I think they might've said something to the extent that I put myself out of a job. Do you see a lot of helping relationships? And I'd be curious to kind of like how, where that comes from. Do you see a lot of helping relationships in the, the helping professions like that? And, and what do you think is at the, at the core of that? I don't, I don't think those people are bad. I think that people get into the helping professions because they want to help. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's probably some, some stuff in there. What, what do you see? Yeah. So it really boils down to, at least from the provider perspective, being able to even keep your own expectations in check. And going back to that, that piece of uh, meeting clients where they're at. And sometimes the quote unquote successes are gonna look vastly different from one person to the next. And keeping, keeping your own expectations in check as well as helping clients also redefine what progress looks like. Because for us as, you know, as the objective outsider in these, in these relationships, we're able to see progress a lot more and we see the incremental change. We see and hear the shifts in their thinking and, and their ways in which they can catch themselves now when, when they're ruminating on something and how they were able to stop it. Uh, but you know, when you're in the thick of it, you don't see that, you know, you feel the moment to moment feelings that, that are really hard and really heavy and, and you know, you feel like you might not be making progress. So being able to really know yourself well as, as someone that's providing care and being able to help clients get to know themselves better and get to really see the sort of uh, the more subtle, the subtle moments that show our progress and capitalize on those and, and really helping clients be able to, to build those up to the big successes and not necessarily look at it as, a linear progression. Mm. Um, you know, our progress is going to be an up and down, all over the place kind of map, and we want it to be a straight line. We want it to be at this day I started here, and at this day I'm here. And it is it is a back and forth circle dance that you're going to do for a while, and that's okay because we're human, and we you know we're not robots. We don't progress from steps one through ten all the way through that way. Well, that's what's crazy to me. And there was a realization. I really appreciate that insight, actually. That, that's, I see so many people just like don't cut themselves some slack. And mm-hmm. one of the things that was like important to me and the, the anger piece, like the frustration in that one, that was one thing I, mm-hmm. you know, or even just sadness, you know, where it's like, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to, I don't know where this, this notion of you're not allowed to feel came into play. And that might just be my own whatever is about and interpretations of how I've gone through my life but to me it's like you're human and you were we've been built to be able to experience this thing called emotion whatever that is you know whether we want mm. to deny ourselves the ability to experience it is would be deny ourselves to be human and that just seems mm-hmm. when I said it that way to myself I was like that is backwards you know so if I'm feeling sad cool let me let me feel sad but it sounds like I'm, I'm kind of like alluding back to something you said earlier it's like why, why do I feel sad where's that coming from is and what's the root of that mm-hmm. um so it sounds like a lot of the times you're not na- helping them navigate through the cloud of emotions to get to perhaps what the truth is at its at its at its core is that kind of the if, I, if I'm summing that up properly yeah, and, and um, to, to add to that, really looking at how do we change the narrative and the story that we tell ourselves mm. when certain emotions come up or certain things happen. Uh, we all have a very comfortable sort of script that, that we go to when maybe we feel sad, disappointed, uh, maybe even our partner does something that irritates us mm. or hurts our feelings, and we start to spin a, a story within ourselves around what that means or what it could mean. And how do we start to really change that? How do we start to, you know, even ask for, for proof of validation of those thoughts, whether that's literally asking your partner, hey, here's what I'm feeling about this. Is this what, is this what you're feeling? Or is it changing the narrative that maybe started when you were younger, if um, you had a conflict with a parent or a parent left and a certain feeling of abandonment is tied to that and how do we change that today how do we start to see that 
sometimes when we feel abandonment and surfacing that it's not necessarily abandonment, but it's a lot of the sort of the work that, that we avoid in the shadows that mm. we don't touch, but surfaces in really subtle ways. So like even that could like manifest in like a physical, a physical way. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's powerful. It really is powerful because we don't, I don't think we associate that kind of depth to the, like those things, those things happened. Mm -hmm. How, how does that keep going? Uh, and I had this, like, almost like a thought that comes to mind. It's like almost like a marketing machine where sometimes our own worst marketing machine, then we rev, mm -hmm. the, we rev it up and here it goes. We're mm -hmm. just like, we're going to, we're going to pitch this narrative as, as hard as we want. And, yeah. uh, you know, eventually you just kind of believe what you see and or believe what you hear mm -hmm. when it's just pushed, drive, driven down your throat enough times because it's like, well, it's, it's still here. It's almost like a confirmation mm -hmm. bias, right? That's really, really powerful. Um, what are, uh, what are some of like your, your biggest joys? Like when you see, like, like I had a subtle joy that I really enjoyed, like appreciated when people would leave. And I don't think most people knew this, but like there was always this, like people would leave and they would like, there's like their little slightly rosy cheeks and they had like this, there's a little smirk on their face. Like it was just like a little mm -hmm. happy and like nobody could steal it from them. And I was just like, it was just my very subtle. It's almost talking about your very subtle wins. When mm -hmm. I'm having a bad day, I would just see that like, what are some of like those little special joys that you've had in a line of work like that, where it's, you know, I'm not going to call it a messy process, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a longer term. It's not just a small, it's, this is not just like a, oh, I'm coming in today and that's it. Like, this is a process. Mm -hmm. I, I'm always intrigued. Like what's on the other side? How do you navigate that? What is What kind of like, what kind of do you, what do you get out of that? Obviously mm -hmm. like you enjoy it clearly, but what does that look like yeah. for you? So as far as um, clients really being able to even just practice a new skill or set a boundary for the first time that they've, they've never been able to set or even communicate a boundary or identify it, it looks so different for each person depending on, on what their goals are and what we're working on. Um, and for others, it's even the willingness to try a new thing. So maybe, wow. maybe it's someone that has been considering medication for a very long time. And we've been spending a lot of time working through what are the fears around that? And what are the pros and cons? And then maybe taking that step to try it and then finding a benefit from that and talking about what that means. So it can look so different for each person, hmm. but even, even the days where clients are able to authentically say, everything really sucks and I'm tired of it. I see that as a win. Being able wow. to even just sit in that and acknowledge that and we can work through it and we can talk about it and I'll validate, yeah, this really fucking sucks. Hmm. And being able to do that with someone, those are all wins. And I know traditionally those aren't looked at as the wins, right? Because we're expecting a tangible item. We're expecting a more measurable item, but it's, it's really going back to just being able to be who you are, being able to own that and being able to get to the point that you want to get to. Well, also that brings out perspective, right? You're seeing the mm -hmm. difference from they come in day one, perhaps, and they mm -hmm. haven't talked about their feelings at all. And now mm -hmm. they're actually going to say it. So like in the grand scheme, that actually, that actually could be pretty profound for, for, for them. So that's, Oh man, that's so cool. That's so cool. To, to, if we, and again, I guess that's coming from that, that objective standpoint and that like, you're not caught up in their feelings because you're, it's like, that's what's in their head, but you can be that mm -hmm. mirror to see like, Oh, here's the whole timeline. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. That's so cool. Um, and you know, a lot of people think like, uh, I've probably been, I, I, tell people, you know, I can at times be nauseatingly optimistic because I think like there's something to be taken out of everything, but that's like a real way to approach optimism from like, we're just acknowledging. So now mm -hmm. we're now can, where can we go from there? As opposed to mm -hmm. the world sucks, screw it. It's like, no, we're mm -hmm. having it. We're going through a tough time. Cool. Where do we go? Like, awesome. We let's acknowledge the progress from that. Let's, let's take some steps. Mm -hmm. um, let's kind of talk about where we are in time. Like, 
you're seeing a lot of people going, I guess, into this pressure cooker that's bringing uh, enlightenment or an awareness mm -hmm. that things are not the way they want it to be. But they might they might not know where to go what what would you recommend to somebody right now who's looking to make a change in their life but they don't they don't really necessarily know where to start i would probably say really taking that time to reflect to yourself what does the idea of change even look like what's the expectation on the other side of that for you and you know I certainly would recommend seeking seeking a therapist and, and really having someone that can be that mirror for you, that can challenge you and can help really reinforce those skills that you're looking to, to build on. Mm -hmm. And I know for so many, seeking therapy is still very stigmatized and it's a very scary process and, and being vulnerable with someone that, that is a stranger oh. that you don't know. Um, takes a lot of strength to be able to do that but in having having that additional support there for you having that person that is, is solely there for you and is really going to listen to you for you know that half hour that hour however long you're meeting with them it can be so valuable just to have someone that isn't going to try to solve your problem for you isn't going to give you unsolicited advice isn't going to minimize what's, what's happening for you in those moments. Mm -hmm. it's, it's so validating to have someone on your side like that. If somebody is going to look for a counselor, so you already, you already said some of the things that they perhaps shouldn't look for or should look to like, mm -hmm. not like if that, if they don't meet certain criteria, criteria like they kind of like, oh, they violated this rule, this rule, this rule, this rule. What are some of the things that they could look for? Um, and I'm, I'm also curious about like the values around that. Like, is that in there of like asking around about that or and how, would so how, would somebody, how would somebody go about determining their values in a way that would like, kind of like narrow down their search a little bit more productively? So as far as finding a therapist, you know, there's, there's a lot of great um, databases out there that therapists can sort of pro, uh, post their profile on, like, for example, Psychology Today is a really big one. Um, and the, the biggest piece in, in finding a therapist that works well for you is trying out different therapists mm. and even asking for a phone consult before even scheduling. Um, that's something I'm, I'm really big on with a lot of clients is let's just chat for 10 to 15 minutes. Let's get to know each other a little bit more. Let's ask some of those initial questions and see from there if you want to schedule. And even after scheduling, if for whatever reason, it doesn't feel like a good fit, that's fine. Let's, let's keep working to, to find you someone that is a good fit. Or I've had, I've had plenty of clients in the past also scheduled multiple providers. Mm. So a couple of providers over the course of a couple of weeks, and then they make a decision from there. Um, as far as finding the therapist that will best align with you is taking a look at um, even the way in which they present themselves and seeing, you know, are they speaking to you? Does it feel like they're speaking too, too wide of a net? Is it really jargony? You know, is there a lot of language in there that you have to Google to, to sort of figure out, you know, what, what are they really saying? Mm. Um, are they speaking to me or are they speaking to someone else? Mm. And that takes a lot of trial and error sometimes. Um, and it takes, even so much strength to send that email, send that phone call, um, request a phone call. And being, being uh, willing to do that is going to lead you towards the best fit for you at the end of the day. I love that. It's almost like you're talking, and I, th I think if people can, this is a thought I just had to mind, even just sending the email, you said like, you're acknowledging that that's a a moment of strength, like, Hey, I'm reaching mm -hmm. out. I'm, I'm at least taking this step. That almost sounds like some of the little mini goals that you were setting mm -hmm. with your, with your clients, right? Hey, even on your bad day, like the goal is to come and tell me that it was a bad day mm -hmm. or whatever it was. So mm -hmm. somebody could even set up like that staged goal of I'm going to set, I'm going to send out this email or set up the call. Mm -hmm. Like that was the win in this process. So they don't, even if it doesn't work out as it being like, I found my person. Mm -hmm. 
they do you still feel like you left the scenario like you feeling like you won is that what i'm kind of hearing in there yeah and and um to, to add something else that just came to mind too is you know i really encourage people to this might sound strange but to interview your therapist and what that means is if you're coming in there with a specific set of goals or you've gone through certain things and you want to know if they can really help you interview them ask them you know if you like for example like if they say, you know, a certain area is not their expertise, but they have worked with clients struggling with a similar issue before, asking them, well, what do you do when something is not your expertise? Or how would you handle this? And it's okay to do that. It's, it's 100% okay to interview your therapist as if, you know, they're essentially applying to work with you because this relationship is so sacred and emotional and vulnerable that you have that right you have that right to be heard by the right person and you have that right to tell someone if it's not working and it's, it's okay to do that I think that's such a great uh, that was really really good because for me I I think a lot of professionals listen to this so I think this can help you know especially if you're going to like a job you're you're inter- you're on the job you're interviewing for a job mm-hmm. it's kind of it's almost like the same thing mm-hmm there's no harm in interviewing your, um, your prospective boss, right? Because mm-hmm. you want to, you want to know where they stand. And if anything, that's actually like, if I was on the other side of that, I would appreciate that because to me, as a, if I was a, the boss or was the, the, the mm-hmm. coach or the therapist or whomever, to me, that also be a sign of, oh, you're really serious about this. You're ready to make some change. That would really inspire mm-hmm. me. That would that would distinctly stick out to me as somebody who wants to support achieving some goals. And I think that's a really mm-hmm. cool, um, I think people don't value that in and of itself. It's, it's also knowing like what's acceptable, what you really are looking for, that clarity. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really cool way of saying that. Um, and you're right, there is nothing wrong about just asking some questions because mm-hmm. it's your headspace that you're going to have to deal with afterwards. So <laughs> you, you wanna, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with doing some due diligence yeah. and making sure that you, you really, um, you really find the right fit. I think that's a really great interview your therapist. That's really good. I think, I guess everybody could do the same thing. It's kind you're right. It kind of has that, like you're, you're dating, right? You're, 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 mm-hmm. you, you go, what do you do on you go to, you go to have you know, coffee or whatever. And you ask them a bunch of mm-hmm. questions. Tell me about you. I think a lot of people keep it with the surface level, but I like where you said, if this situation happened, if this, you know, if a problem came up, what, mm-hmm. what would you do? I mean, I would be looking for somebody to be like, you know, even if I'd be like, I don't know, but I'll go find the answer. I think that's also really mm-hmm. powerful. The humility of a practitioner to say, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure yet, but I, I have some people that I would refer mm-hmm. out to. I think that's a really, really, really powerful thing. Cause no one person can know everything. That's yeah. some really, really great insight into this. And the reason only why I, was, reason why I associate it with like business, and obviously dating a little bit, but like for, again, for the per- person who might be listening, I think with business, we, we see the end result as in money, right? And again, it's that, it's that tangible thing, mm-hmm. but it's so hard to put like a hard, put a pin on your nose, you know, success for, um, mental health it's difficult right you have to find associations that are tangible so we can we can see it right when we see it we're like i believe it now that's really powerful i thought that was really really cool um you've given me some really great insight i'm surprised i even got to this point in the interview so quickly but like this is my favorite question to ask people kind of because it's an existential and i love seeing where people go with it but Mm -hmm. what's what's your purpose So oh, that's, a, that's such a like multi-level question. Um, that's why I love it. <laughs> yeah. I like hearing so, your levels. <laughs> um, so I think for me at the end of the day, the, the way I define my purpose is to really be able to live my life the way I see fit and push back on the ways in which either certain beliefs, constructs, whatever you want to call it, has, has prevented me from doing that. And being able to always be 
authentic with the people around me, whether that's clients, personal relationships, family, and living my life towards that and constantly willing to learn something, unlearn something, being able to change, acknowledging that from one year to the next, we are not always the same person and being able to sit in that and really enjoy what that means. You know, I think that if, if, if we're feeling a lot of stagnation in our lives, it's usually because we've been ignoring certain signals. We've been ignoring that gut feeling that something needs to change or something doesn't feel right. Or maybe we never learned how to trust that gut feeling. We've learned how to trust facts, tangible things, steps one through three. We have, haven't learned how to actually be in touch with ourselves. And, you know, I really see my purpose as to being able to pass that on to other people and being, being that soundboard, being that space where someone can show up how they are, they can, they can sit in a, sort of what's known as like the isness of things. Like sometimes things just are, or this just is, and we, we can't change it. We have to sit in it. Being able to be that space for someone is really what at the end of the day makes me feel so fulfilled and, and validates that, you know, I'm, I'm going towards my purpose. I'm working on that day in and day out. Sit in the isness of things. That is a cool <laughs> statement. That should be on your business cards. That should be on your <laughs> website. That should be on your Instagram. Everywhere. I really, I've never heard somebody say that. I think that's cool. Wow. I love, that was actually one of my favorite answers so far. Because, you know, some people, when they get hit with that type of question, it's like, well, what's my job, mm -hmm. right? And I know for me, a lot of time, I think, I think you brought something really interesting because you're the way you defined it allows for flexibility, malleability, and mm -hmm. to be adaptive as, yeah. as life goes on, you know, mm -hmm. you, you might learn tomorrow that what you're doing is not the thing anymore because of mm -hmm. ABCD a, reasons doesn't fit into your value structure anymore mm -hmm. and it allows you to pivot in a way that would suit your needs and suit mm -hmm. what what fulfills you I think that's so 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 powerful the hard part is of course helping or finding I guess defining what our our authentic self is first but mm -hmm. perhaps after we do then that kind of openness changes yeah Man. Yeah, it, it, it's, um, it's really a building block process. And um, something that, that I said before, too, is, is sometimes, you know, we're really helping someone, you know, build those blocks and, and set up a structure a certain way. And then other times, it's, you know, kicking that, that structure over and starting over like it, it's like throwing a puzzle across the floor and saying, we're going to rework this, we're going to completely start over. Um, and it, it's going to look so different for each person, but even getting, getting comfortable with that, but sometimes we're going to, we're going to throw out everything that we thought we knew and we're going to try something this way, or we're going to explore this, this way. And it's, it's terrifying to do that because we want security. We want comfort. We want predictability. And so much of our lives are unpredictable. And I think you know, with everything that's been going on over this last year, that's been a clear message is that we do not or cannot predict everything that's happening. And, and we don't have as much control as we like to think we do. So what, how do we handle when we feel out of control or when our world feels out of control? And how do we keep ourselves a little bit more, um, more malleable to that? But, you know, we can ebb and flow with life and it's going to be hard and it's going to be really difficult, but we can come out on the other side of it. Wow. So really maybe something to identify about this time period is who has taken the time to set a foundation that would allow them to adapt. That might be an interesting mm -hmm. lesson coming out of that. That's, I, you know, I always have my gut feelings. I have my thoughts about stuff, but I just love hearing other people describe it and in their own eloquent ways. And that was really, really cool. And I think like, again, I'm a bit nauseatingly optimistic. I like to believe that <laughs> the, there's going to be a big lesson out of this whole thing, right? And it's a matter of what mm -hmm. we interpret it as. And I think mm -hmm. what we're taking from it is if we can just take that lesson and say like, there's something to be learned here, whether it's globally mm -hmm. or it's 
internally, individually, Mm -hmm. that can be something really, really powerful. You've shared some really amazing insight today. Um, How, how, how would somebody get in touch with you? And what would that process look like to go, go work with you? So the best way to get in touch with me would be actually heading over to my website, uh, which is www.paulacarsulnhc.com and uh, requesting to either set up a phone consult or booking an appointment. Uh, For me personally, though, I am currently full, but um, I do work within a really great group practice. It's called Common Sense Mental Health. And we have a ton of providers offering a ton of different services and and specialties. So uh, I would definitely recommend someone that's looking to connect with a therapist, specifically in New York, to head over to that website, which would be www.commonsensemh.com. And um, outside of that, you know, if, if our providers don't work for someone, taking that time to, to really go through psychology today profiles, even Googling or just talking to people in your life that have gone to therapy before and getting a feel for their experiences and any providers they might recommend. Um, having someone that maybe you know has done this before really helps ease some of those fears around it. And you can talk about what it's like to, to start with therapy and, and go to your first appointment. Um, and on the other side of it, you know, kind of referring back to some of the things that I said today around, you know, not being afraid to treat finding a therapist like the dating process mm. and being able to, you know, say no to certain people, say thanks, but no thanks, not a good fit. It's, it's okay to do that. And you absolutely deserve to give yourself the time to find that best fit person to go on this really vulnerable journey with. Beautiful. I was going to ask, like, if you have any more thoughts to share, but man, you really, you brought it home. Is Do you have anything, and do you have anything else you want to tell the, tell the world? Anything that, you know, I, I have a feeling this is not going to be your last time on this, on this show, because I really <laughs> love your insight. And especially as, you know, a year from now, the world's going to be different. And two years from now, the world's going to be different. I, I always love hearing intelligent people observe and kind of create uh, a framework for people to understand mm-hmm. uh, their world a little bit better as the times change, right? Like yeah. five, five years ago, you would have said the things you said a little differently, but it, it might've mm-hmm. worked better for somebody then. And right now it might work for somebody better now. So do you have anything else you want to share before we kind of wrap things up? Um, the last thing I would probably leave with is just reminding, you know, anyone listening that, whatever whatever season you're you're at in your life right now you'll be able to get through that season um and i, I really like to, to hone in on that sometimes because it could feel like whatever's happening is never going to change it's never going to end uh, we're constantly changing in the same way that the literal seasons do and you will get through whatever is happening and whether that means finding a therapist to help you with that whether that means doing your own inner work and taking the time and giving yourself the space to do that. Whatever it is that you're feeling called to, give yourself a little bit extra time to do it. Even if it's five minutes in your day of just jotting down a physical check-in with where are you at? What feels heavy? What feels good? Are there ways in which you can lean into the joy a little more? You can lean into the discomfort a little more. God, that's a beautiful message. I could not have asked for somebody and an episode any better than that oh that was just lovely i'm so i'm so happy that you reached i don't even know i don't even remember why you reached out to me a couple weeks ago what was going on and that you reached out to me and i was like oh man cool like i get to reconnect and uh, hear it was, yeah what was that i cut you off i'm sorry i couldn't hear that oh no, no you're good there's a little lag in the video what was that i'm sorry Oh, there was just a lag in the video. You're all good. Oh, okay. That's what it was. (laughs) When you reached out to me, I was just so, I was like, because again, like once you gave me a couple of details, like, oh yeah, I definitely remember you. We had a, we had a lovely conversation a couple of years ago. I was like, oh, cool. Like let's chat. Um, And I was so excited to bring, to have you on as a guest for this. It's just, I I had a good feeling that there's going to be some great material coming out of it. Um, So I don't even know where, I don't even know where I was going with that statement. I just, I just appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is obviously a topic that's, uh, it's important to me. 
I think that mm-hmm. not just physical health, people think, you know, we wanted that. And don't get me wrong, like the physical shell has to be addressed, but I really like your mm-hmm. holistic approach to all of it and the mindset around that. And um, when we can take that like well-integrated approach and look at all aspects of our life, man, it's such a com- more complete result. We're not robots. You're right. We're not, we're not robots. We need to, mm-hmm. we need to embrace all the aspects of being a human being and um, probably brings around a more fruitful thing. Um, aside from that, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on today. And uh, I look forward to more fun in the future. All right, guys. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, and everybody else that's listening, take her like follow some of that information she just said take it to heart you'll you'll benefit for it and uh i look forward to welcoming everybody back next week till next time much love